starting in Romans chapter 14, verse 1. We'll be going through verse 12. I'm going to open us up in prayer, uh, and then we'll get started. Lord, I thank you for this day, for your many, many wonderful blessings in life. Um, We are so unworthy of the grace that you have so freely poured out upon us. I ask as we continue pushing through the book of Romans, now into chapter 14, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would uh, show us how the gospel how the gospel applies uh, in our relationships to one another in our differences and understanding of your word and how we relate in those and how we treat one another in those areas of of uh, disagreement lord um, help us to be a people who would be quick to show grace instead of judgment help us to be a people who would be quick to show grace instead of condemnation lord because the gospel has shown us as we've been exploring uh, the depths of 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 what you've done for us uh, your grace has abounded in our brokenness and our fallenness lord how can we of people who have been shown such grace fail in showing grace to our brothers and sisters Uh, lord yet so often we do and your grace is sufficient for our failings There, uh, we ask uh, that you would help us where we fall short and lead us and guide us deeper into truth, deeper into living lives that align with the truth of the gospel. Uh, Now, as we open up your word, uh, I pray that you would bless the time that we have, that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts, that the truths of your word would uh, grow down deep into us and would have uh, effects in the way that we live and the way that we relate to one another and the way that we relate to other churches, to other denominations, to other followers of Christ. Uh, I thank you again for the grace that you've shown to us. Uh, seal my lips that I speak nothing of myself, but the truth of your word would be presented faithfully to your people and your people changed by the truth of your word. It's in Christ's name for his glory. Amen. How's everyone doing tonight? Blessed, blessed. I am blessed as well. Blessed with the opportunity to open God's Word before you tonight and to share a little bit from it. Uh, I I wonder, I want to kind of open us up with this question uh, that you can be thinking about it. And I'm going to read you a little bit, kind of give you a summary of what we're going to dig into tonight as we dig into the Scripture. Uh, how many of you in here differ in opinion from someone else in here uh, in, on issues concerning God's Word? If, if, you, if you know of differences that you have between others in here, um, y'all, if, y'all, if we've been going through this book of Romans for long enough now that either I've convinced you or I've shown you where there's differences that you might have with things that, that, that I see when I look through the text, we have differences Right? It's okay that we have differences. We're at different places, right? Not everyone is as far along. Not everyone has been saved as long or walking with Christ as long. It's okay that we're not all in agreement on every single thing. There are certain things that we should absolutely be in agreement on, right? There are certain things that are central to being a born again believer. We've covered those, many of those. 
throughout the first 11 chapters of this book, there are some fundamental core aspects of Christianity that if we diverge from it, then we probably can't even call it Christianity anymore, right? If you look at the creeds throughout church history, you can kind of get maybe a summarized view of what we're meaning when we're saying this kind of central core truths of the gospel, right? The idea of God sending Christ and and our hope being in Christ alone through faith in Him and the work that He has done on the cross, that that is sufficient for us. These kind of core central ideas of Christianity. These are things we don't we do not disagree on. We don't disagree if you were to go down to the Methodist church on these things. We don't disagree if you were to go to the Church of Christ on these things, right? Brothers and sisters in the faith, we hold to some core central doctrines of Christianity. So we're all believers in Christ and yet we differ from them. How many of you would say you differ in your understanding from those that would attend a Methodist church or those who attend a, a church of God, right? You attend Mount Carmel Baptist Church because it, and you should be attending Mount Carmel Baptist Church because your understanding of Scripture lines up with what you're hearing here, right? Like, like as you study God's Word and as you hear the men of God preach God's Word here, it lines up with your understanding of Scripture. Maybe not 100%, but on the big ticket items, right? You, you say, I line up here, here, here. We line up pretty closely. And you attend as a body of believers here because we hold to pretty much the same thing on a lot of important areas of life. But if I were to sit down with many of you, and probably there's been times as we've been going through Scripture that I've said something, and you've been like, you know, I don't quite hold that. You, you haven't convinced me on that particular area yet. But I still love you. We're still brothers. Sister, if you're a sister. Right? We're still, we're still family. Even though in some of these kind of outside or tertiary issues, we may differ Right. So we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about those areas of difference and how as believers, those areas, we 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 handle those or we kind of wade through those waters when we get there, those places where I may hold to a particular belief that that you're not so hot on, um, but we're still family and we're not fighting and we're not arguing. So we're going to see how the gospel applies to that, right? So on primary issues, right? Those issues concerning ultimately concerning salvation, right? Those things that get you in the door of the church, you're a believer, right? You believe on those things. These are not what we're covering here. We're we're covering here secondary and tertiary issues. Those are issues not necessarily pertaining to salvation, but no less important in Christian living, right? Are we on the same page? We're not talking about core beliefs, right? Like if I were to ask you, your Mormon friends, and do you hold to the same? Like they differ with us on some very fundamental core ideas that we say, you know, we're not we're not the same. We're not the same. Your your Muslim friends, same way, right? Like. They, they believe that there was a man named Jesus, but some of their beliefs about this man are fundamentally, fundamentally different from us. So we can't say that you are a follower of Christ or that you believe in the Christ that we believe in, right? So those are areas where we're like, we're, we're not in the same camp at all, 
Right? So when we're in the same camp, when we're in the same place, when we're, when we're brothers and sisters in Christ, how do we handle those areas where we differ? Do we argue? Do we dispute it out? Do we fight it out? Do we, do we make it look ugly? How do we handle those things? How do we handle those things? Does the gospel shed any light on the way that we should handle these things? I think very, very, very much the gospel shines light. So the core things that we all hold to shine light on even how we handle these secondary and tertiary things that we may disagree on. Right. So kind of as a summary, I've, I've got my notes here. I want to read to you just a summary of of kind of what we're going to be covering the, the ideas. I may read it a couple of times because um, this is kind of what I want us to draw out uh, from the study tonight. Uh, so here we go. What we're going to be looking at in these 12 verses of Scripture is going to kind of summarized by this. The gospel of Christ and our shared faith in Christ alone for salvation unifies us by God's grace and allows us to show grace to one another as we differ in our understandings of secondary and tertiary issues that pertain to Christian living. You follow? I'm going to read that one more time um, just so that you kind of get the idea. Listen close to this because as we kind of uh, tour the scripture here in just a moment. This is the idea that that is being shown to us in this scripture. In the examples that Paul gives us, this is the idea that we should be drawing out of this. The gospel of Christ, which we all hold to. This is a primary issue for us. We're all believers in the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ and our shared faith in Christ. We are believers. We are the church because we all have placed our faith in Him alone for salvation. Right? Christ alone for salvation. We have placed our faith. This truth unifies us. We are unified under the banner of Christ here. It unifies us by God's grace, His grace alone, and allows us. So God's grace allows us to show grace. This is how that primary, that primary and central thing, the grace of God and how it applies to us and our faith in Christ for salvation, how this central thing applies, God's grace applies as we're handling and dealing with these issues, these secondary, tertiary issues where we disagree. So uh, God's grace allows us to show grace, right? You've been shown great grace. So as you're dealing with one another, I want you to be asking yourselves the question, do you show grace as you've been shown grace? Right? Do you give the same grace to others that you've been shown? Right? Who in here has been shown just a tiny little bit of grace? How many of you have been poured out upon you the grace of God in a way that you just cannot even explain? And that you would likely be shameful to say, God's covered this, God's covered this. I don't even want you to know about these areas. God's covered it. His grace has abounded where our sin has abounded so much more His grace. How can a people who have been shown such grace become a people who show no grace? Right? It should not be said of us. Right? It should not be said of us. So God's grace allows us to show grace to one another as we differ in our understandings of secondary and tertiary issues that pertain to Christian living. So we're going to disagree, church. This is a truth. We are all going to the same place. We're all serving the same Christ. We are brothers and sisters. We are family 
together we march forward. And yet, we're not all at the same place on the same issues. And we may not ever be in the same place on the same issues this side of eternity. And that's okay. That's okay. You let Christ work out salvation in you. I'll let Christ work out salvation in me. When we stand together in glory, we'll give Him glory for whoever was right or wrong. (laughs) Right? Jesus was so right about that issue there, and I'm just so glad I sided with Him on that. (laughs) So that's the idea that that I want us to kind of be digging into tonight as we look at the Scripture. So uh, Romans chapter 14, looking at now verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith. Weak in what? Who is weak in faith? Who is weak in faith? I want us to be asking these things as we dig into this. Oh man, there's so many areas in which we need our faith to grow. Right. So I don't I don't want any of us to be quick in jumping and saying that's not me. Right. I'm not the one that's weak in faith. I want us to to honestly consider there are going to be areas in your life that you are going to be stronger in faith than someone else. And there are going to be areas in in your life where you are the one who is weak in faith. Right. And I want us to get this idea of I'm going to pour grace out no matter which side of that I'm standing on. If I'm the one with stronger faith, I want to be pouring grace out onto my brother or sister in, who is with weaker faith. And I, if I'm the one with weaker faith, I'm never going to be in that moment thinking that I am the one with weaker faith. So I want to be humble and I want to show grace and pour that grace out just in case I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I may need growing in that area. You may need to grow in that particular area. So we need to be quick to show grace. As for the one who is weak in faith, turn them away. Is that what the scripture says? For the one who you look and you say they're weak in that particular area, we're not going to have anything to do with them. Is that what the scripture says to us? What are are we to do to the one who is weak in faith? Welcome him. Welcome him, but... Do not quarrel over opinions. Amen. Can I get an amen there? Can I get can I, can I get an amen from your heart that we should not be quarreling over opinions? How how often times do we find ourselves divided over opinions? And then if we're pressed on the matter, I'm going to have to get back with you on the scripture for that, brother, because I don't. I've, Heard it somewhere, don't know where, but I'm going to go find a commentary or I'm going to go ask somebody so that I can support my opinion. Let us be quick to show grace and let us keep our opinions to ourselves. If I want to help you with your faith that I might think is weak, do you believe my opinion is going to be what takes you to the next level? What do you think that it will be? The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the grace shown to us by our Savior Jesus Christ being applied day after day, not through the opinions of man, but through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit's power to change your life. So, 
if you find yourself quarreling, please show grace. Please consider you may be the weaker. And please understand that it will not be your opinion that changes the heart of man ever. It will be God's Word consistently lived out, consistently taught, preached, shown in every action of grace that we show. Every action of grace. Let us not be known as those who quarrel over little things, church. Let that not be us. And let us never, ever quarrel over opinions. Let us stand firm on God's Word without question. Let us stand firm on God's Word. But let us never be arguing over things that are just merely our opinions of things. Right? Let us show grace in those areas instead. One person believes he may eat anything. So now Paul here giving, it, giving us an example of this. And, and I want to be honest with you. We could come up with 100,000 examples of the, the things that we look at in this book that separate us in our opinions. Right? We could, we could look at what separates the churches by denomination. We could look at what separates us individually in our churches. Right? There's tons of things. Paul himself could have drawn from tons of things applicable in his church and time. So what I want us to see is this is a specific example that was applicable. And there's some things that we want to draw out from this. Right? Some understanding that we want to draw out from this that we can apply to other areas within our lives. Whether who who I'm just question, is anybody just a vegetarian here? So we got no vegetarians or I scared you and you didn't want to say that you were a vegetarian. Okay, so now that there's no vegetarians in here, I want to tell you that we're right. We can eat all the meat. We know. I'm just teasing. Okay, I'm just teasing. If there's a vegetarian in here and I just offended you, it's okay. We can disagree, right? But Paul says I'm right. No, I'm not teasing there. He really does. All right, so so let's see let's see that in, in the scripture. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. What does it say? Who's the weak person here? <laughs> it would it would seem to be the vegetarian, but I'm not going to say that. No, what is? Yes, is the truth of the matter clear here from the text? He's making an absolute point, but here's the truth. This is not this is not a point that he's making that's not applicable to the people that he is making it to, right? He is he is writing this letter to the church of Rome who is a very diverse people. Some coming from Judaism, some coming from just secularism as a whole, some coming from some blended weird religion. Like he's preaching to a people that this applies to. And he's writing this, and, and, and I'm thinking, if I'm a vegetarian reading this, I might get offended by this. Why would I get offended by this? Because he just called me weak, it would seem. So, so as we dig into this, and as we kind of extract from this what we need to see, 
what I want us to see here, sometimes you're going to be right and you're going to know that you are right. Your approach is critical in these issues. Right? Your approach is critical. It it Because here's what I want you to see, is that Paul lays this truth out here, and then he doesn't follow up with, so vegetarians, deal with it, pull up to the table and get you a pork chop. Right? Like, that's not... Because he would have offended Jews and everybody right there. Right? Like... That's not how he approaches it. Like the truth of this and, and which side is right or wrong is not in question here. But then he doesn't take that knowledge, take that truth and beat someone over the head with it. Why is that? Why does he not just come out and say, deal with it, weak person? This, yes, the same reason that God is so gentle with us in drawing us is because... It, it is in all likelihood I am wrong about something. I, it's hard for me to come to grips with that. <laughs> but just statistically saying, it's probably the case. And, and you would have to argue with me over whatever that area is that I'm wrong in. Why would you have to argue with me? Because I'm passionate about whatever that thing is. I hold that position not because I've been told it and I just blindly believe it. Because I truly believe it. And I believe in living that way that I'm honoring God. So that when you approach me and you're just like, you, you've been thinking you're honoring God, but you're dishonoring with everything that you do. And you approach like that, what are you doing? You're tearing at me. You're not tearing at the idea. You're not tearing at the truth. You're tearing at me. Do you see that? That the approach that we take is absolutely critical. That's why, as a preacher, there are times that I want to press in on you, and then there are times that I want to be like, Lord, I want to let your spirit move in this, in a way that's, that's gentle. Like, I want to be planting mind grenades now that are, going to, that are going to go off in their lives maybe like a year from now, maybe six months from now, but they don't even know that it's happening. Now, I want to live strategically. I want to live passionately for the truth of God, knowing that I could be wrong, and I want you to be living the same way. I want you to be living your lives passionately. Let's not argue about it. Let's not, it's not something that we're just, I'll just go over here. I'm going to go to this other church because I can find somebody that believes this particular thing that's not central or core, but it's just easier not to have to deal with that particular person or whatever. So I want us to get that, that you may be right. You may be the one with the stronger faith in that particular area. Paul does not here abuse his knowledge of what's right in this area to beat down and crush and break the one who is of weaker faith. Who does he address first? In the text, who does he address first? Does he even address first the one of weaker faith? That's important here. That's important. Right? That's why I want to address you in case you are right, knowing that there are ways that we approach this, and those ways are full of grace, full of compassion. We need grace, and we need to show grace to others. That's the mentality, the idea that we need to live with here. So, one person believes he may eat anything while 
The weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And we're going to dig into the why of that in, in a couple of verses here. But I want us to see here that Paul first, after laying this idea out here, laying this example out here, he first addresses the one who is, in this example, the stronger in faith here, the one who eats or his conscience is not burdened by what he eats and, and what he does in this is, is he says, don't despise the one who abstains. Like, don't look at them like, how weak are you that you can't get this from the text clearly? Right? Like, like the way that you look and the way that you think about your brothers and sisters in Christ is critical. And it can, it can speak loudly to you yourself and potentially an area that you may be weak in yourself. Right? So let us be humble. Let us be full of grace. Full of grace. Church, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. How many of you have found yourself oftentimes casting judgment on others? How many of you? How many of you have found yourselves at times looking at someone else and casting judgment for maybe something they did or something they didn't do, something that you thought they should be doing? I think it's fitting, church. I think it's fitting that when he talks about casting judgment, who is he talking about, the stronger or the weaker here? He's not talking about the stronger here. Let's, let's, let's read that so that it becomes absolutely clear to you. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. But do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. So the one abstaining, the one not eating, this is the weak person that he's speaking of here. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains. The one who abstains, the one who does not eat... The weaker in this example here, pass judgment on the one who eats. How often again do we find ourselves casting judgment so quickly on others? May this text be a wake-up call to us that maybe we are weaker in our faith than we think we are. And I want you... When you get to that point that you are trying to cast judgment, where you're just snap judgment on whatever someone's doing, I want you in your mind in that moment to consider, am I wrong here? Am I wrong here? Surely not, right? Surely not. Surely I'm never wrong about anything. That's why I'm casting judgment. That's why I stand from the high hill that I stand upon and look down on everyone. Is it not true? Is it not the way that we do? Could it not be that we here are the weaker one? If we are so quick to cast judgment. Because when Paul here speaks of the one not passing judgment, he is here speaking of the one who is weak in faith. What does one who is strong in faith do? We have the best example of that. In Christ on the cross. True. What does the one who is strong in faith do? They're quick to show what? Mercy and grace 
the gospel playing out in our lives in a practical way leads us to lives that are typified, that are identified as a person who shows grace over judgment and condemnation. Right? And I want us to think about the way that the gospel is playing out in our lives as believers. Are we identified as one who shows grace or one who casts judgment? Right? Because I want to tell you is that the gospel is calling us to grace. Because we know that a day is coming. We know a day is coming. As we talked about this last week when we were talking about living with urgency, the gospel opens our eyes to an absolute truth that God is just and that He is the judge of all the world. There's a day coming when we will all stand before Him. And we will either stand with or without Christ in this. We'll either stand with hope or without it. So why are we so busy casting judgment Instead of showing grace, when the reason that we're in the position that we are before God is because Christ showed grace to us. We should be a people who spread that grace out freely. We should not have to be begged into giving grace to others. And I believe when we understand what's taking place, when we understand the gospel, we become a people who say, I see the grace that you've poured out on me. I see daily the grace that you must continue pouring out on me. As I fail, as I struggle, as I myself find area after area where I'm weak, and then am I going to be the one who's quick to judge? Or do I want to show grace? Friends, these are secondary issues not pertaining to salvation. The person is not going to hell over this. They're not. They are covered as you are covered by the grace of God. Do you understand this? Do you understand that if your hope is that you will get all the issues out before you put your head in the grave, then you have no hope. Because you will still have issues. If you were to come to me and ask me the day before I die, if I knew when it was, and said, Landon, did you get all your issues worked out? Or are there still areas where you think you might be wrong? I'm going to be like, there's probably some areas I still might be wrong. Statistically speaking. (laughs) I will likely throw that caveat in there. There's still some areas when it works. And that's going to be the truth to the day we put our heads in the, in the dirt. We've all got issues. Let's, let's be quick to show grace in these issues. Let's be quick to show grace. Right? And you say, well, what about the brother that's in sin? Okay, show grace first, please. Check that. I want to judge, judge, judge. Show grace first, please. When you show grace first, instead of quarreling, instead of arguing, I want to tell you that it opens the door. Grace opened the door for us. It will open the door for you leading the one who is astray. Quarreling over opinions will not. God's Word lived out consistently. The Gospel playing out in your life will. Show grace. Show grace.
verse, uh, just for finishing up verse 3 there. So the passing judgment on who? Who are they passing judgment on? The one who eats? For God has welcomed him. Verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? And quickly we should, we should respond to this. I'm nobody, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a servant of the same king. Right? They could cast judgment on me as quickly as I could cast judgment on them in many areas. I want to show grace in this. I want to know that I'm not the judge. Right? I'm not the judge. But there is a judge. Right? I'm not a judge, and I want to live with grace so that if they know Christ, they're drawn closer to Christ. If they do not know Christ, they can see Him in the way that I live, that they might meet Him and know Him before they stand before the judge. Because He will judge rightly. It is before His own Master that He stands or falls. Who's who's the Master here? Christ, this is God, this is our Lord here. He is our Master. It is before His own Master that He stands or falls. What do you think He's going to do? Do you think He's going to stand? Do you think He's going to fall? He's going to stand. And He will be upheld. So in that area, that's not a primary area, that may be a secondary or tertiary area, that you disagree, do you agree on the gospel of Christ? Because that's where our salvation is fixed. That's where our hope lies in our Lord and our Savior. So in those areas where you may look and you may be like, man, I don't see that lining up. It does, I see that there are other people that hold to that. There may be another denomination that holds to that, but I don't quite see it. Then you're not concerning yourself primarily over their salvation for that issue because it is not a salvation issue. Because who will uphold them in the end? The same one who will be upholding you when you step into eternity and find out that there were things you believed wholeheartedly were true that are not true. The same one. Let us not be so blinded by our sin and our limitations that we would think that we are the only ones who will step in with 100% accuracy on the test of the theology of who God is and what God has done. Let us not think, that's so arrogant to think, that we don't... There are so many areas in our lives, that we fall short in our understanding of who God is. And God is no less gracious to us because of that. He will be no less gracious to them. So we should not be condemning for these issues that are not central gospel issues. We should be unified for the Lord is able to make them or make Him stand. The Lord is able to make us stand. This is a statement that speaks to all of us. When we stand on that day, it will not be of our own strength and our own effort and our own striving. When we stand, as we today stand, righteous before God, we do not stand on our own. He holds us up. He holds them up 
He holds you up. Again, I want to I point out that there are central gospel truths. And then there are ways that this applies in the way that we live, that we may differ. And that's okay. I hope to convince all of you that I'm right. <laughs> but it's, it's okay if we differ. It's okay. Let's show grace. Let's be quicker to show grace than condemnation on these things. Let's be quicker to show grace than to say they're living in sin. Let's be quick to show grace. Let's be quick to show grace. God holds us up. It is the Lord who is able to make him stand. One person, and so now Paul in verse 5, and we're going to kind of go through this one quick. Uh, Paul gives another example of the esteeming of days or the lifting up one day as a as a better day of worship than another or a, a higher day of honor to give honor to the Lord versus the person that says every day is the same, right? Like I can serve God on Monday the same as I can on Wednesday or the same as I can on another day. Like he's given this example. And I wanted to point out something here as well is that he doesn't make so clear which one is right or wrong in this example. Because there are some times that it's absolutely clear. And we have to be gentle and we have to show grace and we have to believe that the one who holds us up holds them up. And then there's going to be some places that we that they could be right. And I could be wrong. Right? There are going to be places that it's not so clear. Right? And in these, we act the same. We show grace the same. One person esteems one day is better than another while another esteems all days alike each one should be fully convinced in his own mind the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the lord and this is the part that i said that we were going to get back to it's the heart of this like like you're going to have to convince me out of areas that i'm wrong in because i hold those particular beliefs not because i've been told them but because i believe in holding them that i honor god in them so the person that esteems one day over another or the person who eats or doesn't eat, they're doing this with a heart to honor God. So that if you come at it in an attack mode, judgmental mode, instead of a, I want to open this up with grace, I want us to dig into God's Word versus man's opinion, that if you come at it like that, you have more opportunity than if you come at it full force because this is something that they believe they're honoring the Lord in. Right? This is a personal issue. When you stand and worship God, if you hold your hand up and I say, man, you ain't supposed to be holding your hand up worshiping God, and, and you really believe that you're honoring and worshiping God, what's that going to do? You're going to be like, hush your face, man. Go worship somewhere else. Right? Are you not? Why? Because you're like, well, I saw somebody raise their hand, so let's see if it works for me. Right? Because you're worshiping God. You're honoring God. So if I come at you, who am I attacking? I'm attacking you. Right? I'm not attacking the right or wrongness of your worship style. And you say, well, what are you talking about worship? Do you, do you not understand that, that, that there are other churches that don't worship in the way that we worship? That there are brothers and sisters in Christ that may feel uncomfortable the, the way that we worship. Now, do we condemn them? Do they condemn us? 
Should they? <laughs> Should they? Maybe I need to go preach at that church a little bit too. <laughs> Should they? Should, should they? No. No. This is a secondary issue. Worship style would be a secondary issue. You may not worship in the same church if you feel uncomfortable with the raising of hands or with, with standing or whatever it is. You know, like you may feel uncomfortable and I'm going to be like, brother or sister, I love you. And I'm strongly on my opinion that if I feel as though I'm honoring the Lord in this, I want to raise my hand. We love the same Lord. I do not want you to think that we don't serve and worship the same Lord. But because of these differences, it is likely better for us as a whole to not worship in the same place right now. Right? Versus you be offended every time you see me raise my hand. Right? Or every time you hear somebody say amen. Right? I want to say in that particular area, if you're there now and unteachable there, it might be a place that you would you would worship somewhere else. And that's okay. That's okay. We're not about the numbers that we get here. Right? It's about something bigger than us. So in this area, I want to be like, you worship God as your heart leads you to. You honor Him. And I will uplift you because you honor the same God that I honor. Though we may differ in the style in which we honor. I want to tell you, if many of you came and listened to the Spanish Christian rap that I'm rocking in my car on the way to work, it's likely that it could offend some of you. Right? Because you're like, there ain't no place for rap. In church, especially, you're a white dude, man. What is with this? In Spanish? <laughs> right? Like, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> That's an old school reference right there. I'm, I got it, though. I got it. <laughs> right? So, there's some, like, you may not want to ride to work with me. I'm just saying. You know, you may want to ride in a separate car if that offends you. Right? Because I'm straight up honoring the Lord on my way to work in the mornings if Kip sees me driving by. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I just may honk if I'm not looking at the road, brother, you know. <laughs> just get in the other lane, you know. <laughs> but it's okay. You don't like Christian Spanish rap? Okay. You know, I'm all about some Chris Tomlin too. Let's, let's hit the Chris Tomlin. But these are secondary things, right? You're not a, you're not, out of the church if you don't worship in the same way that I worship. You're worshiping wholeheartedly. Aren't you? If you're not, there's an issue we need to, to discuss. Right? If you're hindered in some way in your worship, there's an issue we need to discuss. But you like a different style of music than I like or a different pace of tempo than I like. Like, you still love Jesus. You still You don't like music at all. I'm cool with that. You know, you better be able to acapella like nobody's business. Otherwise, it might hurt my ears a little bit. But hey, if y'all heard me singing in the shower, you know, like it's it's not so pretty. But it's okay. Whatever style that doesn't get you out of the kingdom. Right? Like David in the Old Testament dancing till the clothes fell off, worshiping Jesus. Like, they ain't any of y'all wanting to see that. <laughs> right? 
Let's just be real. And there's some churches that if you did that, they'd be like, you ain't in the kingdom, brother, because what you did there was satanic, right? Like when my kids at the house hula hooping like crazy to some Spanish Christian rap, I want to be like, Mary Corinne, do your thing. But if somebody from the church comes to see you hula hooping to Spanish rap, they may think you strange, right? <laughs> hey, baby, we're going to hula hoop to some Spanish Christian rap tonight. Promise you. Before bed, man, it's gonna go. <laughs> I didn't even see her sitting over there. That's awesome. So, secondary issues. We want to show. We want to show grace in these church because we believe their testimony of Christ that they have told us in the same way that they should believe our testimony about our faith in Christ. So that when I say I serve passionately my savior you may not like the tone of the music right like there's some heavy metal folks out there and i know there's some other folks that hear heavy metal and there's christian heavy metal right you think there ain't there is i could list off the name of some artists for you you're gonna hear it and you're like, i don't know if that's from jesus you know it's a, that ain't the hymn or the red book kind of thing, right? Like, it's okay. You still, you love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Do you serve Him with all that you have? I may not like your style of music, but I like that you like to serve Jesus with it. Right? Right? I want to show grace in that. Right? I want to show grace in that. Because I believe when you say that you love Jesus, that you love Jesus. I don't want to be the person who immediately cast judgment and be like, I don't know if you love Jesus like you say you love Jesus, right? Do you love Jesus? If I tell you that I love Jesus, do you believe me that I love Jesus? Right? So if you see me rocking to some Spanish Christian rapper, are you going to think any less? Right? Are you going to think any less? Because the reason that we do it is to honor the Lord. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains for what purpose? In honor of the Lord. Like, is the, is the underlying reason that we differ a passionate love for God? Is is that an underlying reason? So that when I see this particular passage of text, I feel passionately that it says this one thing. And then you read it and you passionately love Christ as well. And you see it and you see something else. So two people who passionately love the Lord will argue. Will quarrel. I mean, the wording here is something serious. Like quarreling among ourselves. And you say you love Christ and I say I love Christ. And we would rather quarrel over secondary and tertiary issues. Like whether you can eat meat or not. Or which day's the more special day. Versus lift up the gospel of Christ. That is for the nations together. Together. But so often we set up as a hill to die on these issues that are not. And we cast judgment where we should not. We cast judgment where we should be showing grace instead. 
verse 7. For no one lives to himself, or yeah, none of us live to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are whose? We're the Lord's. Right. And I say this to you. And and if we differ, we likely differ on the tertiary, like the far outside issues. But I'd say this to my brothers and sisters worshiping in other denominations tonight. We serve the same God. We are the same. We are the church together. We are his. If we are fixed firmly in the gospel of Christ, if our hope is in Christ alone, in, in faith in Him alone, we rest, we live, we breathe, we die on that hill, then you are my brother or sister. And you may come up to me and give glory to God about being right in eternity, and I may come up to you in eternity and give glory to God about being right on a particular issue or not. But you know what? We are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. Thank God for His grace that we are His. For to this end, Christ died and lived again that we might be, or that He might be Lord, both of the dead and the living. Why, again, He's going to come here, and I want us to look at some of the wording that He uses here. Why do you pass judgment on who? On your brother. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? Who are we talking about here? We're talking about other followers of Christ. Why, church, why do we pass judgment on our brothers or sisters? Why do we despise brothers or sisters? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Paul here is using this passage of text in a passage of text where he's telling us not to be judgmental so that we live in such a way that we know judgment comes and we do not fear judgment. Church, we stand in who? Christ. Our hope on judgment day is in who? Christ. So does He tell us this truth so that we would fear that coming day? Or does He tell us this truth to unite us in this? What do you think that it is? Stop judging each other. Judgment is coming. Stop being judges when they need grace. The same grace that you needed. The lost world needs. And you're fighting amongst yourselves over petty things. Judgment is coming. And that should wake us up. Because we are secured in the arms of Christ. Many of them are not. And when we can't get over our own internal issues, how are we ever going to go to the places where He is not known yet? How? Is it not important for us that we unify together instead of judge one another over the littlest of differences? Is that not important? 
every knee, every tongue. So each of us will give account to him. Verse 12. So each of us will give account to him. Give an account of himself to God. We will stand before God. It should be sobering that we know a judgment day is coming. Not because we fear it, because we rest in Christ. Because we know if I'm giving an account, what am I giving an account of? Something important. Something important. The way you live is important. The purposes, the passions, the directions that we set out on matter. Because they don't go on into infinity, never being checked up on. There is a day when we lay down the work that we have put in here. And we're not working for our own salvation, church. Because we're in who? We're in Christ. We labor not for our own salvation. We're here together not for our own salvation alone. And He's left us here. He's placed us here in space and time, not for our own salvation alone. The Gospel sends us out, church, together. Together. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You uh, for this day. I thank You for the hope that we have in You. I pray that... Uh, the truth of of the gospel would find every nook and cranny of our lives, Lord. Um, as we think about the areas that we differ with one another in in our own church and 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 amongst uh, the churches, uh, I pray that uh, you would use the truth of your gospel in a way that unifies us together under the banner of Christ, um, whom we all call Lord whom we all rest our hope in, Lord, I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. Um, They aren't either. Uh, But it will be you that holds us up on that day. All of us. All of us. It will be you who ultimately reveals all truth to us. Lord, I I pray that uh, we would be unified by your gospel. Um, Lord, it's okay for us to have our differences. I'd, I would rather uh, passionately differ with someone uh, any day, Lord, than for, for someone just to not even care and not even think about it. Um, I'd rather have a brother in Christ um, who would be as sharpening of iron with me uh, than I would uh, those who spend no time with you, um, who care nothing of, of your plans and your purposes. Um, Lord, I pray that you would raise up a passionate people for your for yourself, for your glory, that you would unify us uh, in Christ and send us out uh, where you would have us make effect, Lord.